The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 49. This is the eighth episode in a series about what the church is and what it's called to be. This particular episode will focus on humility. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As I said in the introduction, this is the eighth episode in a series that I believe will now contain ten different episodes. And so let's jump right in and look at humility. In Ephesians 4, when Paul wants to call the church in Ephesus to unity, he uses these verses. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. So Paul has a series of things that he wants people to do that will enable them to live a life worthy of the calling that they have received. And he starts with, be humble and gentle. What does humility mean? We sometimes get the impression, and I think the false impression, that the humble person is the person who says, oh, I can't do anything, oh, I'm no good. And I don't think that is what the Bible is looking for us to be. In fact, after this series, I'm thinking about doing a series on the giftedness of the church. So what does humility mean in a biblical context? As I broke out some of the commentaries, I found this particular definition in the New International Greek Commentary series. In Greek ethical discussions, however, the word for humility is the one who manifests a well-regarded mastery of his anger, the description of Moses as very humble, more so than anyone else on the face of the earth, identifies him as one who is free of the self-importance of those who are focused on their own interests. Okay, got that? The humble person is one who is freed from the self-importance of those who are focused on their own interests. And then I think that makes arrogance or pride, a working definition of those could be those who are blinded to the importance of others. Those who act as if, and you know these people, and I hope you're not one of these people, someone who is thinks they're the center of the universe because they're blinded to the importance of others. Well, what happens when that gets into the church? Not good things. Jesus was fairly clear about what he felt about humility and what he felt about pride. I think of the verses in Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, we have to look at these verses, and in the context of some other verses where we know they were arguing about who was the greatest, think that that was probably what they were getting to to Jesus. They were probably looking for him to say, you, John, you're the greatest, or James, you're the greatest, or Peter, you're the greatest. And Jesus doesn't do that. He does this instead. He calls a little child and had him stand among them, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like the little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But 
If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung about his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's a fairly big but in that particular sentence. Jesus wants us to be aware of the importance of others. Jesus wants us to be humble. And he's pretty serious about it from those verses, wouldn't you say? When we don't have humility in the church, when we don't have that regard for each other, and I've seen it, and I suspect you have also if you've been in a church that involves real people, then we have situations like James addressed in James 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come out of your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred with God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? but he gives us more grace. This is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. James is writing to a church that is inflicted with a self-indulgence that comes from people focused on their own interests. Focused on their own interests so much that it gets in the way of their relationship with each other and their relationship with God. And he is calling them to repent, because that's no way to build a church. In Philippians 2, in a fairly well-known set of verses, Paul points to the humility that Jesus showed, where he put our interests above his interests. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And finally, And finally, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gave the disciples an illustration of what he meant, that they would remember. From John 13, it was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal that was being served, and the devil had already prompted 
Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head also. Jesus answered, A person who has bathed needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he finished washing their feet, He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you not understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And to put this in context, what Jesus was doing was the role of the most humble servant in the house. This was a society where people walked from place to place with sandals on and feet were dirty. This is the equivalent of Jesus scrubbing their toilet. I'm not sure what the equivalent is, but it is it is a humble act, and Jesus calls us to that humility. He calls us to care for one another in ways that may seem to some to be demeaning. He calls us to love each other in ways that are not constrained by the self-importance of those who are focused only on their own interests. And with that, we'll bring this episode of the Bible Study Podcast to a close. If you have any comments, leave them at thebiblestudypodcast.com or send me an email at host at thebiblestudypodcast. And as always, thanks so much for listening. The best and the brightest, served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, Podjo and Limelight. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful, devotional, and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.